to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. And I'm Julie Bender. So Julie, you know, I've lived a lot longer than you, so I probably can say this more... um, positively more with more authority is that <laughs> you learn a lot in life as time goes on. I mean, I I've definitely have not lived nearly as long as you. I mean, that was not a very <laughs> nice way to say that. But in my slightly shorter life, I would have to agree, the more we live, the more we learn. And I think as grit and grace women, sometimes we're unlearning things and other times we're adding new skills. What's something that you learned later in life that has served you well. Mm, You mentioned skill. Let me go there. I learned how to replace a light fixture in the ceiling. Like a light bulb? No, a light fixture, not a bulb, Julie. The entire fixture. That's definitely when you call somebody, but you would. You would learn how to do it. Yeah. Saves you a little bit of money. Uh, I guess. Awesome. Um, Well, mine's not nearly as handy as yours, (laughs) but I get kind of teased about all of my hashtags, but I have found Creating specific family hashtags really helps me categorize my memories. So when I want to see what Lincoln wore on Halloween when he was two years old, I remember a hashtag I can look for to specifically find that picture really quickly among my 7 million posts. Oh, now that's really funny because, Julie, I've never considered you a really good file system person, (laughs) but you have found your own way to do it. My hashtags are an important file system. (laughs) Um, Anything else that's maybe a little more cerebral lessons for life that you've learned? Mm, I would say not to take things too seriously. Because when you look back over time, you realize that what was drama one day really isn't that big of a deal later in life. So, you know, just don't take it all that serious. Don't get as upset as you think you should. (laughs) Um, I think kind of along those lines, something I have certainly learned, I think even more over the last few years as I've kind of done more public life, is you're just never going to please everyone. And I've started to actually embrace that truth a little bit. (laughs) Good, because you can't. You really can't. And I think today's guest is going to talk about that a little bit, isn't she? Absolutely. Today's guest is Sherilyn Decker. She's a speaker, a writer, and a coach who has helped hundreds of women turn their struggles into a source of strength. Sherilyn believes that it's only when we face our challenges that we can take back control and triumph over them. When she's not working, she loves to spend time with her husband and two beautiful daughters at their home near Denver. She can be found on the weekend loudly cheering at her daughter's volleyball game or curled up on the couch with a blanket, a book, and a cup of tea. Sherilyn, it is so great to have you with us today. So welcome to this Great and Grace Live podcast. Oh, darling Julie, I am so excited to join you guys today. Grit and Grace, man, does that not just sum up how what we need to give each other and how we need to get through life. So what a what a beautiful podcast you guys have. We are so happy to have you and to hear a little bit more about how that has really, you know, been applied in your own life. But before we get started, let's get to know you just a little bit. Can you tell me a skill or a lesson that we have learned in our life maybe later in life? You know what? I think I have learned the art of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like I used to stress about meal planning 
And now I just have this software that does it and I just drag and drop. And I'm like, yes, we recycle the same recipe every couple of weeks. So I'm just going to move it back to like that day and not even think about it. Instead of sitting down every single week and being like, what am I having? What am I having? I have to feed healthy. Well, I already know what we had, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So let's just move that. And I just use this software to do that. And it's made my life so much easier and I don't have to worry about it. And I love how these days, you know, technology has gotten to the place where it's like, oh, here's my recipe and here's all the ingredients that I need. And it puts it in a list and organizes it. And so I just have to go to the store. <laughs> well, Love I mean, it. I'm sitting here looking at Dara like, well, as soon as she's done with the sentence, I'm going to ask her what the name of the software is <laughs> and if we can put it in the show notes because Homegirl could I use will. that. I will. I will tell you. It is called AnyList, A-N-Y-L-I-S-T. And I use a Mac. They also have a Word version. It's an app on my phone. My Perfect. daughter uses it. My husband uses it. So if we're running to the store and it's like, hey, what's on mom's list, then anybody can go and get it. And so they have, um, I first was introduced to it through like Whole30 actually. When I was doing that, they had their menus and their recipes in there. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I want to do this, do this, do this. And it created the list for me. And, and I was like, this is brilliant. So then I just started adding my own stuff. And now, I mean, I'm addicted to the subscription now. So it's, I mean, not expensive from a family list planning, but that has just made my life so much simpler in the stressful area of how am I going to feed these people who demand food? I know they have to eat every single day. What's it's wrong so with annoying them? annoying sometimes. <laughs> oh my gosh, the nerve. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I mean, even just kind of what you touched on, like we as women have so many responsibilities on every given day. And, you know, sometimes we're in a little bit of a fog. We're facing something that feels way bigger than what is for dinner. And so I'm hoping that on this episode, we'll have an opportunity to kind of um, share with our listeners some of the tools that you have used to turn your trials and challenges from a place of struggle into a source of strength. I think there's something, Julie, that I know what I read in Sherilyn's material that was kind of thought-provoking. And she said in so many words, a strong woman won't be held back by people-pleasing guilt or misguided purpose. I found that fascinating because, you know, we're all about becoming strong women and all of those things are stumbling blocks along the way. I know I struggle with those things all of the time. So I'm really looking forward to getting some real tips for my own grit and grace life to combat some of those things. So let's start with my number one struggle. Um, Sherilyn, can you give me some tips for mom guilt? I'm a working mom. Dar was a working mom. You're a working mom sometimes that combination can really like nag at us. Mm. Nag is a very good word for it. And I mean, I was a working mom in corporate America and now I'm an entrepreneur and there are still ways that mommy guilt sneaks in. I remember the moment that I felt it the most powerful when my daughter was probably in early elementary school and we kneel at her bed for nighttime prayers. And she says, dear God, I want to ride the school bus. And it pierced my heart. Mm. It was mm. such a deep ache in her to ride the school bus. Mm. And yet the facts of my life were really that my commute from my home to my job was one hour each way on a good day. Mm. And so that meant that my little itty bitties were in before and after care. It just is what it's just what most of some of our lives look like before, you know, we were all quarantined last year and things <laughs> began to change. So that was just the reality of my life. And here she is wanting to ride the school bus. 
And that was the first time I had felt mommy guilt from her. And I really struggled with that. And I leaned in and I had to really kind of, instead of being offended by it, which is a place that we can go, Mm -hmm. is I had to realize that there were opportunities here. I had to see it. And with the help of my, you know, my prayer time with God was really just kind of like, okay, what can happen here? What are my options? And I wondered what doors could open for me to do things different. And that's really kind of how I got into this entrepreneurial life. I mean, it was kind of a, a, you know, clunky trip, but I ended up here in a place where here I am, you know, in the midst of all this Corona stuff, my children are, um, attend public school. And so then we're in, I'm in Denver and things are closed down and I'm having to have my kids do online school while I'm in the house trying to be a full-time working mom and be able to do that in that environment. I see now as such a gift because I was able to look at that guilt as an opportunity. Now I haven't always been that way because I had some friends of mine who were stay-at-home moms and their mommy guilt showed up with me as judgments and opinions about my choices, right? Their way was the right way to do it. And this is the thing about those types of judgments. It opened the door for me, at least for me to hear lies, lies that I'm sure many of those people who are in the sound of my voice have heard. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mother. Lies that said that their way was the right way and I was not doing it well. And what my friends didn't understand was my callings, my gifts, my strength, my huge education loan from graduate school. All of that stuff didn't matter to them because their calling and their gifts and their strengths lied with what they were supposed to be doing, what they were supposed to be doing, which was being at home, homeschooling their kids, whatever that looks like for that mama. And instead, they were heaping the guilt on me for not making their choices. And I remember this aha came to me one night when I ordered pizza. Yum. Okay. So my husband (laughs) likes mushrooms. He loves that slimy little fungus. I can't stand that stuff. (laughs) And I like black olives. He does not. So here we are in this place where we're trying to order pizza. We're trying to, you know, go have these only to find out that mushrooms spread to my side and black olives (laughs) spread to his side. Right. So, so now we just order them with nothing on it, but it's as simple as I don't love him any less because he likes mushrooms and he doesn't love me any less because I like black olives. It's an opinion and that's it. And once I could free myself from the opinion that someone else had over my preferences, that it, then it freed me to realize, oh, your opinion is not attached to my approval. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love that, Sherilyn. And I, you know, I can look back because my children, my daughters are grown now. And I had some of the same experience that you did where my eldest at one point looked at me and said, I wish you were a mom, mom. And I'm like, (laughs) what in the world is a mom, mom? Apparently it's not me. And it was because I worked and traveled their entire growing up time. But I had a conversation with another mother who was a stay-at-home mom after both of our families were grown on an airplane of all places. And we went through the fact that we judged each other when we were younger. And we had a wonderful conversation because we both could say, but our daughters are all great. And we did it different. And I think that's the magic is you have to do it your way. Yes. And there's freedom in that. There's freedom in knowing that if I mess up, 
I'm not having to follow a prescribed do this in the following steps or I get it wrong. There's freedom in knowing that, oh, I can figure it out as I go. And if I make mistakes, then guess what? Failure is sometimes the path. Absolutely. And, and I'm actually just sitting here thinking about how conversations like this among women who are in different seasons of life um, and have different gifts and have different lifestyles, it's important that we talk about these things because, you know, one of the things for me as a working mom, and I um, was widowed, and so I was a single working mom for a while before I remarried, and I there were times that I would look at Dar and be like, okay, she did it. And, and her kids really like her. Like they have a good relationship now that they're grown and have kids of their own. And so those times that lies would creep into me thinking, you know, my kid's going to regret having a working mom and not having a mom, mom or whatever. Um, I can actually look ahead and say, no, someone I know and respect in real life that I actually know and not just on TV or whatever, um, you know, did it well. And, and I can trust that I can do it at the same time. And so really relying on each other and encouraging one another, instead of, like you said, pushing our opinions and judgments on the other moms around us. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful way to realize that to, uh, to, to experience grace is to realize that your circumstances as a widowed mom are different than someone else's circumstances as a married mom. And my circumstances as a working mom is different of those as a stay-at-home mom. And we have to give each other grace for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And instead of putting guilt on one another and shame on one another in, and forcing us into a mold of what it's supposed to look like, like we're some sort of Stepford wives, if we could, <laughs> then it's, if we could really just truly love each other for who we are, then we can support each other in a completely different way. And there's power in that. That's when we become the strong women we're created to be. Oh, I love that. All right, I'm going to shift gears here. There's a phrase that I read in your materials that I found fascinating, and that is having false confidence. Now, we're all about being confident and moving forward and going for whatever you feel your purpose is. But Sherilyn, what is false confidence? False confidence is a tender spot. Um, there, I remember very clearly I was getting headshots done um, for a corporate event I was going to go speak at. And I was wearing this leopard print shirt. Yes. And as of right now, that is the cover of my website. So, if you, you know, whoever's listening, pull that up. That's what the shirt I'm wearing in those corporate headshots. And to me and to the photographer and to people who have seen it, it oozes confidence. But there was so much fake about that photo because I didn't truly believe who I was. I didn't truly know who I was. I was operating inside my strengths, yes. I was very good at what I did, yes. I was extremely successful in my job, yes. Yet, there was an emptiness that was deep down in my heart that, was, that came through that it almost felt like what I was wearing was fake, that my confidence was fake, that my everything else was fake because I, of this big, huge hole in my heart. And so it's funny, fast forward years later, and the guy that's designing my website, he's like, Sherilyn, I Googled you and I found this picture of you. And, and why isn't this on your website? And I was like, because this is false confidence. He goes, no, it oozes confidence. There's everything about that picture that says you're a strong woman. But what he was seeing was the image of the person that he knew after this huge transformation my life had gone through. But what I was still seeing was what I was then. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you ask me about false confidence, it's that spot that I continue to wrestle with, which is, do I really believe who God says I am, that I'm loved, that I'm worthy, that I'm accepted just as I am, that there's really nothing that I need to do to earn his love? Oh my gosh. When that, when that spot in my heart was filled, then I can tell you that I can have the con- a, a completely different kind of confidence. But before, it was, it was empty. It was, not, it was absent. And so everything that I did, while it was operating out of my own talents and abilities, it was lacking the foundation of, of, my, of my true identity. Can you help us with any steps that you really know were important to getting from the false confidence to the true confidence? I had number one, I had to realize that there was a hole, mm-hmm. that there was something that I was missing. Yeah. And to have coaches and books and stuff that I was reading that was filling in that gap, that was helping me see, okay, what is it that I'm missing? And for me, that was really digging in and building a stronger foundation in my faith. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that meant, okay, who does God say that I am? Because when I saw who he said that I am, that meant nobody could change it. That goes back to that mommy guilt. That goes back to the, you know, to the people-pleasing statement we talked about earlier um, in your opening, which was just about if I don't care about what anybody else's opinion is, then I can truly accept what he says that I am. And let me try to explain this a little bit differently. My friend Kimberly is an artist. And so sometimes I'll get text messages from her and I'll have this picture of whatever she's just painted. And it's lovely, but I don't understand what it means. I don't understand what it conveys. I don't understand what it is until she tells me. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Because she's the creator of it and she gets to decide what it says, what it means, what it stands for. And so none of, and then it doesn't matter whether I misunderstood or not. She got to say so because she was the artist. And when God began to show me that what he said about me was the same, that no one else could change it, that began to build in me a confidence that was rock solid, that wasn't based off of anything flaky, like someone's opinions or someone else's um, preferences for how they raise their kids. It was truly based on you're enough. And that I will give you everything that you need and everything that you have, that you will face will have been passed through my hands in advance. And I will, I will walk beside you. And all of those things just began to build in me. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so, and so for me, it was really about um, number one, seeing that there was a gap and number two, just diving in. And for me, that was the Bible and finding out what does God say? Well, who does he say that I am? When he describes me, what does he say? And that's a personal journey for all of us because we all have tender spots in different places. And so for me, we've talked about some of these wounds, the mommy guilt and the opinions of other people. Um, Those are all approval buttons. That was the root. And once I understood that I had God's approval and I didn't need to get it from anyone else, And that no one, I didn't have to earn it from him. It was a gift. He was giving it to me. I didn't have to beg. I didn't have to, you know, hope I was in performance that I could earn it. I didn't have to do something right. Or if I did something wrong, then I lost it. No, it was just mine. It was given to me as a gift that that was irrevocable. And once I understood that, and once it really became real to me, 
then that confidence began to change. And I could then do things from that place of being completely solid in my identity um, so that I could then do scary stuff like getting on a podcast (laughs) and telling my story in front of everybody. I have a I have a question here, Sherilyn. Some of our listeners may not know the Lord, have a relationship with God, or they're very early on. How do they know or believe that there is this God out there that cares about him, let alone uh, says they're worth something that's very unique and very special and very wonderful? I think we can attribute it to falling in love. When you see a couple that is in love and you're just seeing the way they interact with each other and there's something about their relationship that you're drawn to, it's similar. There were these women that I knew that had a relationship with God and their lives just reflected such peace and confidence that I wanted And as I found out, okay, what is it that is your anchor? What is keeping you from getting, you know, tossed to and fro in this, you know, life that we live? Um, What came down to it was they had a relationship with God. And so then the question is, well, who is he? Where do I find him? And regardless of what, you know, denominational church one might go to or not, um, the answer is in the word of God. It's in the Bible. And so the best way to do it is to just ask him to reveal himself to you. It's like when we're looking to buy a car and we begin to see it everywhere. And all of a sudden, this car that we're thinking of buying, that we're shopping for, we begin to see it everywhere. It's called resonance. It's brain science. It's called resonance. Our brain is now make, looking to make a connection between something that Um, between two pieces of information. It's filtered it out before. It's not that it wasn't there. It just decided that wasn't important. Well, now that you're looking to buy the car, your brain is saying, oh, look, here's a connection in your world to something that you want. Same thing with, with, you know, love, with happiness, with gratitude. When we are looking for those things, we are tend to be drawn to those. When we're looking for faith, God is, we, God is attracted to that. He's always been waiting for us Hmm. to ask him to show up. He oh. says, I stand at the door and knock. That means he's outside waiting for us to just invite him in, just have a conversation. And so that's the first place is to really kind of say, Hey God, you know, are you real? Where are you? Begin to show me and trust that your brain will begin to show you the signs of God showing up in your life. And he'll begin to bring those people in your life and highlight them and their experiences and their their relationship with him in a tangible way. So you can see what it looks like with skin on, because that's really where our faith does its work with skin on. And I mean, if, if I hope that by listening to this podcast, that you see that in me, that it's my faith in God that um, is reflected through my life. I love that. If, if you're listening and thinking, okay, I want to know more about that. I definitely recommend you go back and listen to episode 144 because Darlene and I talked a lot on that episode about how to get to know God and grow in your faith. Okay, Sherilyn, I have a question that I think a lot of us will really benefit from. As I was reading through, you know, kind of your um, your topics that you like to teach on, you talked about struggling with a misguided purpose. And here at Grit and Grace, we long to help women find their purpose. And so when I read that phrase, 
misguided purpose. I was like, "Uh oh, I need to know what that is because I certainly want to make sure that I'm not walking in that. And we want to do everything in our power here at Grit and Grace to help women um, not stumble through their purpose, but really be able to walk in a true confidence and a true purpose. So can you help us unpack that a little bit? Sure. There's a few pieces. I would say there are things that we are experts in that we just don't like. Um, there are things that we are, have, um, a lot, no passion for and no expertise in that's cleaning my house. I hate cleaning my house. I am really frankly, like, I love a clean house. I don't like doing it. (laughs) No, I like somebody else doing it. (laughs) Yes, that, yes, me too. And so that's kind of, but there are people that love to clean the house. They just get they just love it. I, I, I love to hire those people because they do a great <laughs> job. But that, that's the kind of thing where we have to realize where our, our passion lies and what we're good at. And so I was in a place where I was operating and I was doing something that I was really, really good at, but I wasn't passionate for it anymore. It means I was, it mean to me, it meant I knew I was called for something bigger. And I just didn't know what that was yet. And so sometimes in the journey of life, and I'm in my 40s, so it took me a while to get there. In the journey of life, it takes a little while before we really clue in to what that is because we need our life experiences to stack Mm -hmm. on top of each other to open doors. Think of it like a stair, stair steps. We have to climb up certain stairs and go in certain, you know, complete certain tasks before we're aware of certain things, before we're door, other doors are open to us, we have to meet certain people and so on and so forth. And so all of those are connection points that, that unlock pieces of our purpose. And so for me, working in the corporate America was great because I was doing what I was good at. And what I thought I was good at was negotiating contracts and helping the company save tons of money. And that I was fantastic at that. I was better at building people. And after I got laid off, and I talk about that a lot in some of my materials that I write, after I got laid off from a job that I had had, and I'm sitting down and I had hired a life coach, you know, I was like, okay, because that's just what you do. And you don't know what your next step is. And um, I can say that because I am one. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. And she goes, "Um, well, if you don't know where you're going, I can't get you there. And so it was really then the next question was, what are you good at? And I realized that while I could say, yes, I'm good at negotiating contracts. Yes, I'm good at saving the company money. The bare bones of it was I was good at building people. I had staff that would come and work for me for a short period of time. And then they would leave and go work for another department. And they would excel and they would come back and they would see me as a mentor. And they would talk to me about things and people would leave the company. And they'd still call me and talk to me about things because I was good at building people. And what that unlocked for me was a way to realize, how do I do that then? What does it look like to be a people builder? And then there are several ways. I can be an executive coach, I can be a life coach, all those other kinds of things. But for me, it took realizing that I was good at what I was doing, but I wasn't passionate about it. And there was something bigger that I was meant for. Mm, Love that. Okay, so we need to build real confidence and we need to find a real purpose that is natural to who we are. But in the meantime, somebody's always got an opinion about it. And I know we've touched on it already, but we tend to want people to go, good job. We like what you're doing. We think you're great. (laughs) Just telling us we're great. 
but sometimes they don't. So how do you go, as you're building these things, how do you put aside being a people pleaser? I saw this great quote on Facebook recently. I think it was um, by Shelley Jigulo, and she said that the best weight you will ever lose is the weight of other people's opinions. And I took a screenshot of it with my phone and it's on my background because it's the constant reminder of how heavy that is to carry it around when we are constantly um, wearing someone else's opinion. When we, we're putting so much uh, weight on, credence to, trust in someone else's opinion that it, it weigh, physically weighs us down. It's carrying a load that's too heavy that we're not meant to carry. And for me, I have to, I can easily slip into people pleasing because I like that. I like the at a girl. I like mm -hmm. the, you know, well done. I, I like the applause. Um, but I have to realize that when I don't get it, that doesn't mean that I'm any less worthy because it comes back to the root of all of this is approval. Where am I getting my approval from? And it's one thing to be able to, um, to get the at a girl, to get the thank you, to get the, oh yeah, that's so wonderful. But when we don't, if I attach my approval to your ability to say thank you or your ability to say good job, then there's something, there's a hole in my heart that needs to be filled by something. And what I'm letting, and I'm giving you the power of letting you fill it with whether or not you accept me or not. Now you just recently released a book, right, Sherilyn? Yes. Oh my gosh. Talk about a birthing process. That <laughs> has been such a, an exciting journey. And the book is called Roar Back, Roar Like a Lion, R-O-A-R, -R, Back. And essentially it teaches you how to respond to your circumstances by going back on the offensive and roaring back. And R, it's, it's a four-part framework where R stands for how, learning how to respond to our circumstances by using the word of God. Um, o, by overcoming our obstacles, by recognizing the traps that have gotten in the way um, and entangling us. And A, applying the lessons from past um, circumstances because those patterns repeat themselves unless we do unless something changes and then the last r is revealing our story with others which is what we've done today sharing part of my journey um, so roar back is helping people recognize that they have the tools to stand up to their circumstances and make them change well, Sherilyn, I have really appreciated so many things that you've said today. I'm, I'm worried that there might be scribbling sounds on the recording as I've written a lot of what we've talked about, which um, I think applies to every single one of our lives as we're listening. Some of us are working moms. Some of us are staying at home moms. Some of us are fresh out of college, no plans right now to ever be a mom or to get married. And some of us are retiring. And the cool thing about Grit and Grace is we all have something that we can learn from one another. So I really appreciate you coming and sharing um, some of those really pivotal thoughts about letting go of people pleasing and comparison and mommy guilt and just some of those things that tend to trip us up over and over and over again. I think if there's anything we can take away from this episode, it's that a strong woman does not have to be held back by people-pleasing guilt or misguided purpose. So how can our friends pick up your book, follow you on social media, and connect with you even more beyond this episode? 
No, thanks for asking. So the book is available on Amazon. As far as my social media sites, they're all my name, Sherilyn, C-H-E-R-L-Y-N, Decker, D-E-C-K-E-R. That's Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. And then my Facebook page is Sherilyn Decker Author. Um, so author behind it for my Facebook page. Um, and I would love to connect with any of you. And if you do connect with me, please let me know that you um, got, that you heard me on um, Grit and Grace Life, because I want to make sure that Darlene and Julie know um, mm-hmm. that you reached out. For sure. Well, I'll make it easy for our friends who might be on the elliptical or making dinner made easier by that little app that you told us about. <laughs> so I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Um, Sherlyn, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Um, we really appreciate your insight and your vulnerability. Oh, thank you so much, ladies. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Whether you're listening in Apple, Spotify, or streaming somewhere else, be sure to subscribe and review so you never miss an upcoming episode. You can also share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us or share us in your social media and tag us. Every week we share all the details of what we discussed at our website, gritandgracelife.com. We'll catch you on the next one.